In this podcast, Pamela Barty, a Forbes 30 under 30 entrepreneur and developer of a $100 million real estate empire, will share her inspiring underdog comeback story. And along with those of her guests, she'll share how you too, as an underdog, can rise up and succeed against all odds. Here's your host, Pamela Barty. I have no special guests except for myself, <laughs> uh, Pamela Barty. I'm psyched for the other episodes to come. I really wanted to talk to you all about myself and my story and really how I got to where I am today and what really inspired this show for me. So pretty much I was born in Tirana, Albania. I moved to Italy when I was six months old. And from there, I went to school in the Vatican. Um, in kindergarten, pretty much. Like I had the, the nuns and the whole nine yards and everything. Spoke Albanian and Italian. And so when I was about five years old and when my brother was born, my parents won the visa lottery to come to the United States. With that, essentially, it means that you have two years to come to the country and you can either stay after that to apply for permanent citizenship or you can pretty much go back to your country if you like, but it's a way to come here legally. And essentially my parents jumped on it and they dropped everything that they had in Italy and in Albania, no support system whatsoever and just packed their things. And we left to the United States, we headed to Boston. So I was about five years old. My brother was about six months old. My mom was a stay at home mom um, and she tried to do as many jobs as she could from home. And pretty much my dad, he took on weird jobs because he couldn't speak English. Neither, I mean, any of us couldn't really. He took on construction jobs, like he worked for Kodak for a little while, you know, basically in just the lab section and doing manual labor work. And eventually he got into the pizza business. Um, he started working in-house and eventually got to do deliveries and whatnot. He worked in Cambridge, which wasn't too far from us because we were living in Chelsea at the time at our apartment building. And essentially one of his mentors really helped him throughout the process. As he started learning English and understanding the business, he pretty much was inspired by his mentor to go out and buy a business of his own. So that was about three years into him being into the United States. He was inspired to do that. So he, it was about 2000, he went out and he bought a business in West Roxbury. It was in a pizza place, Italian restaurant type of vibe. His mentor actually gave him the down payment to make it happen. Um, it really helped him and my dad pretty much worked his heart out and paid him back within two years time for what he had sacrificed for my dad. And from there, my dad pretty much built everything from the ground up. But when my dad bought the business, I was about nine years old at the time. And by the time I really started working there, I was about 10. I had this fascination of essentially working and meeting people. Well, you know, like I had this idea. First, I was like a daddy's girl more than anything. So I really just wanted to go and hang out with my dad at, at the shop. And, you know, I always used to love doing deliveries with him and we would jam to music everywhere. We'd be in his minivan, he'd be doing deliveries and I was sort of learning the streets from him and you know, basically everything in business is 
comes from my dad and my mom. So when I was 10, I started doing that and pretty much worked there until I was about 20 years old. But that really taught me and was the foundation of everything I know now in business. So when I moved there to West Roxbury, it was like about three years after my dad had purchased the business. So it was like 2003. Um, so from there, moved to West Roxbury. It was middle school time for me. So I went to Holy Name Parish School in West Roxbury and then immediately just was embraced by the community in a huge way. So growing up, coming from Italy to middle school, I went through a time where I was a very shy kid. You wouldn't realize that now, but I was very, very shy. And, you know, I remember in like fourth and fifth grade, I was actually bullied a lot by these girls that were just brutal for no apparent reason to me. And they were just mean. And during that time, I sort of like shut myself out a little bit, you know, because my parents were always working and I never wanted to go home and complain to them because the last thing they needed was more stress on their head. And basically, you know, going and shifting to a school that was a Catholic school and I never knew anything about faith or anything in that world. You know, I knew there was a God, but that was really it. And going into middle school and meeting this community that basically just took me in with open arms was huge for me because coming from a school where I was bullied and really disempowered and, you know, first off, when you're in middle school, you're just confused about everything in life. And then having to deal with that on top of it was like a whole nother thing. And coming into this community really changed me a lot. I was welcomed. I was loved and like everything just, it was a game changer. And it was cool because everyone sort of know, knew who I was because they knew of my dad's pizza shop. And that's where I worked. So I started sort of making a name for myself there. And it was really cool to live and work in the same community. So middle school passes. I go to high school. High school was awesome. I went to Trinity Catholic. And in, during that time, I was a triathlete. I never played sports before in my entire life. So I was a bit of a disaster in every game, but I still loved being part of the team. So that was my thing. It's, you know, soccer was in the fall, basketball was in the winter, and then I had softball in the spring. And it was just awesome. I just remember making so many friends. I was very outgoing. I was involved in everything. And essentially after high school, like during the whole time in high school, you know, I had sort of like the perfect life, if you will. I had a long-term boyfriend at the time and I was involved in every single activity you could possibly imagine. Like I was prom queen. Everything in my life was picture perfect. And I thought I had it all planned out at the time. I was like 16 years old and life was really, really different at the time. And I remember, you know, after high school, things really shifted for me going into college. And there was this whole era of change in my life. Going into college, I was in a pretty horrible relationship. And I think that everyone has had their times where they have been They've been in a relationship that really takes the, their soul out of them. At the time, 17, 16, 17, I really didn't know much, but all I know looking back on it now was that it drained everything out of me. And that relationship pretty much consumed a lot of me up until I want to say the beginning of my junior year, like mid sophomore year. And everything at that time was really just focused on that. I mean, I've always been a hustler since day one with everything that I wanted to do, but I, that was sort of the one thing that was pulling me back. And 
I remember going into college, I went in for essentially marketing because my whole plan was to go in, get my four-year degree, and then from there, work a nine-to-five. That was my whole thing. And then from there, down the line, was to start a business. I never intended to be an entrepreneur as soon as it happened, you know, as soon as I graduated. That wasn't in the cards for me. At least I didn't think so at the time. So going into Stonehill, you know, I'm, I'm here on a full scholarship, Stonehill College, and pretty much I was in marketing. And then I took this course called Applied Calculus for Business, and it was really, it was really challenging for me because I've always been terrible at math, like algebra, pre-algebra, anything along those lines was always a struggle, to be completely honest. That I just never understood it. I would stay after school. I would do all these things, and I just wouldn't get it. So going into this applied calculus for business class, it was a adjunct professor. So he was only there, you know, he only taught like one semester, and. He was barely in his office and he really wasn't available because he was part time. And he would be blowing through like three chapters at once. And I was really struggling in that classes. I just, I don't understand algebra, let alone calculus. And I remember trying to ask for extra help and everything and it just was not panning out for me. And I remember I got my grade sort of like in the interim and I was at about 30%. And I looked at that and I was like, this is, my God, I'm gonna lose my scholarship, I can't continue to take this course. I need to drop it. Otherwise, this is going to show up in my GPA. I'm going to lose my scholarship. I'm going to lose all this. So immediately I dropped that class. And this was freshman year. I felt like pretty much a failure because I was like, how am I going to do my marketing degree without having this course? And basically it made me rethink everything as to my focus. And I said, you know, I don't really enjoy too much the marketing side of things. Like, it, you know, looking at the major and its courses and its requirements, I just kind of said to myself, it wasn't really something that I felt highly passionate about. There were some parts of the marketing and like, like the branding and the graphic design and things like that that I was interested in, but there was other things that I just wasn't excited about, like the supplied calc for business and things like that. So I'm saying to myself, Pam, where do you really envision yourself? And what does that really mean to you? Like, what are you really passionate about? I really had to sit down and rethink everything. It seems like something simple, like, you know, you're just dropping a class, but it made me rethink my entire major, which was marketing so that I could go work a nine to five. And then from there, shift to my own business down the line when I was like 40 or something. So everything shifted at that point. And I just remember saying to myself, I love people. I really love people. I love interacting with people. I want to learn more about people. It's, it's what I've known being in the restaurant industry for, you know, since I was 10. And that's what I love. And I love business. So how can I combine the two? So I took on a communications major um, formally at Stonehill. I looked at all the courses and I thought they were amazing. Interpersonal communication, organizational behavior, all these different types of classes that would enable me to learn about the other person and just everything in the communication world. And I was fascinated by it. So I said, hey, let's try it. And that was some of the professors and they were incredible. So I said, hey, let's go for it. And then next to that, I said, you know, I love communication, but I also really love business. But I don't want to be confined to like take things like accounting and things like that, the financial world or just business management in general. I just, I wanted to create something that embodied what it would be if I wanted to own my own business someday. And so 
I talked to Professor Ubertasio, who was head of interdisciplinary studies at Stonehill, and I asked him, I said, hey, I really want to create my own major. Is it possible to do an entrepreneurship major? And he said, well, it's never been done in the history of our school. I mean, we do have a minor that we're working on, an entrepreneurship minor. Would you consider that? I said, no. I kind of want to do my own thing and create my own major because I think there's so much parallel between the communications that I'm doing. I think I have a lot of room to put together another major. And essentially we put together like graphic design. So for my branding, all types of different classes, a lot of business classes, small business management, things like that. And so after that meeting, I was, became a double major. I was communications and entrepreneurship, which was really awesome. And I was the first in Stonehill College history to do that. So after that, and that was so Declaring my communications was freshman year, and then I declared entrepreneurship my sophomore year. After that is really when the sparks started flying for me. I would sit in these business classes, in these communications classes, and just be in love with everything. I wasn't excited about the essays and all that stuff, you know, the homework and all that stuff, but I really enjoyed the content. I, I knew that I had found something incredible and something that was my calling when I would, I could sit in class all day and not get bored, which was really awesome. Don't get me wrong, this was still a couple classes that really had me exhausted and I didn't really want to sit through. But for the most part, the communications and the business classes I fell in love with and also the professors who were so willing to help. So after that, you know, it was still, this was my sophomore year. You know, I'm deciding, okay, I graduate in two years. What do I want to do with my life? And my whole game plan was, you know, Let's get that nine to five, get some experience and, and go from there. And I remember thinking about where is it that I wanted to intern to get some experience. So when I was, I was like, I was going into freshman year at Stonehill, but I had an internship for an events and marketing company before I even went to Stonehill. And that sort of got me interested in the events space and um, and marketing and, and things like that. And I thought that that would be really cool because you're engaging with so many people, you're putting on you know, shows and you're doing all these things. I figured that would be a great place. And so I had thought about wanting to continue that for my career. So my game plan was, okay, let's get an internship at the biggest venue in Boston. My plan was, okay, since I have an internship opportunity, my junior year of college, that'll enable me to build relationships so that come senior year, come after I graduate, I have time, you know, and networking and all that stuff so that I could get a job there when I graduated. So I had this internship and I did a lot of internships throughout college. I mean, one thing that I will say is always, 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 especially to college kids, I'm gonna say this to you now, go out there and do as many internships as possible. It's kind of your trial and error before you actually go out there and get a real job and realize that you hate it. And that's exactly what happened to me. I had an internship at this venue. I won't name it so that they can, you know, it's all good. And it was a spring semester. So essentially I was in one of the biggest departments. We worked alongside many different sports teams that play at this venue. And essentially I was in a social media and marketing intern and this, that was sort of my world. And I remember I wanted to get engaged and, but it was a corporate environment, right? So, and I was just the intern. And I remember going in and basically being there early every single day and just being ambitious and, you know, finishing my tasks and going up to my supervisor and saying, hey, 
what more can I do? Is there something that I can contribute to? I was just nonstop because that's what I was used to. Being in the restaurant world, it's just you're constantly moving. You're constantly in this state of chaos and things just keep grooving, you know? And basically, at the end of my internship, my junior year, my supervisor gave me my grade, which, you know, of course you expect an A, it's just an internship. And if as long as you've been there in attendance, you're good, right? That wasn't the case. I got a B minus for my internship. And I was kind of puzzled because this was my junior year of college. I was envisioning working at this place the following summer after I graduated from college. And I was a bit baffled. So what she told me really changed my life. And at that time, it was kind of like my uh, aha moment, my pivoting moment, my most pivotal moment career-wise. And what she told me was, Pam, you know, I just think you're too ambitious. And I just looked at her so confused. What do you mean too ambitious? I mean, I was just anything that you wanted done, I got done. She's like, yeah, exactly. But you were always like, you just kept wanting more and you just kept. And to me, I was just taken aback by the entire thing. And I just kind of looked at the whole scenario and I was just like, there's something off here. I'm too ambitious. So you give me a lower grade than what I deserved. And it wasn't only that moment, but like seeing things, all the bureaucracy in the corporate world, really and like the confinement of cubicles I like to me it was I had never worked in a corporate setting because I've been in the restaurant business with my family for up until I was 20 years old so to me it was just the light that just went off in my mind and I said to myself absolutely not I am gonna do my own thing I just know I can't work for anybody when I graduate college and I remember calling my parents up that day after I got out of that internship actually as I was on my way back like immediately and I was like, mom, dad, like, I know you expected me to sort of work somewhere. When I graduated, it's just not going to happen. And, and they were, you know, my mom was freaking out. She's like, Pam, you're, you know, you're doing all this school. You're doing all these things. We don't want you to work as hard as we did, you know, and everything we built. We want you to have everything good for you, you know, all these things. And they were, you know, my mom was freaking out. My dad was just kind of, he just told me one thing. He said, you just got to have a big heart, Pam. You just got to have a big heart. And if you're gonna be in business, that's what you gotta remember. And I didn't even know what my business was gonna be at the time. I just said, mom, dad, you know, this was my junior year. So that whole summer going into my senior year, I spent working on a business model of what I was going to open or what my business was gonna be. And essentially my dad had an opening in his building because his tenant was going to be leaving. My dad was gonna be renovating the entire building that he owns where his restaurant is. And he basically told me, Pam, there's an opening, but as he's always treated me as his employee, he pretty much told me, I want to see the business plan. And then from there, we can talk about if you can make it in that spot. So I spent my whole fall semester of college working on the business plan and, you know, solidifying everything with my dad and doing the build out plans and all that kind of stuff for my ice cream store. So my whole concept was, you know, I didn't want to be in restaurants because I knew what that world was. And so I figured, okay, maybe get into the dessert world. And it was right next to my father's restaurant. So that was great. They could play off each other. It was like the perfect scenario. And the name of the store was Ria Cafe. So past that point, I in the middle of my senior year, I was introduced to my previous boss who I had an internship with back when I was like 16, 17 with the marketing and events company that I mentioned earlier. And he proposed a business plan to be a business partner for a cafe that was located on the Esplanade. It was right where the, at the hatch shell and basically um, where they hold the July 4th and do the fireworks and all of that. And so I was intrigued by that. My parents were on board with that. So that was 
also another restaurant that was in motion while I was working on my ice cream store. So essentially I graduated and was working on technically two restaurants at once. So I had my ice cream restaurants, cafe, however you want to call it. And then I had this other business with a business partner, a restaurant in Boston on the Esplanade. So by the time I was 21, I had two restaurants under my belt. And from there, I realized quickly that I wanted to diversify my income because you want to keep money moving from all different angles. They say the average millionaire has seven streams of income. So for me, it was, okay, Pam, you know, what else are you going to do that serves your time well, but obviously still allows you time for your restaurants as well. So my dad and my uncle were flipping houses. Like my dad was just investing in them and my uncle was the general contractor working on them. This was around 2008, 2009, where, you know, the crash was really, really hurting. Like we were in the depths of the recession and they were doing really well doing these flips, buying properties in like Lynn and up north and doing that. And I saw that model and I saw my dad, you know, basically buy one house and then my uncle would fix it and then they'd flip it and they just keep going. And I noticed my dad was really kind of passive in the whole thing. Like, you know, he was still working at his restaurant nonstop and still had this going, but yet he still had streams of revenue coming in from that. So my whole thought process was, well, you know, and then I started looking at real estate in the industry as in total, and it has produced the most millionaires than any industry, pretty much. And it still continues to do so. And there's reasons for that, especially for real estate developers. So I started looking into flipping and I really, thought it was a really cool model and you know just the impact and the ripple effect it has on communities when someone goes in and fixes up a dilapidated property and just the magnitude and basically the significance and the ripple effect that it has is really incredible you have an opportunity to transform landscapes physically which i thought was really amazing so i said i've got to try this you know i know i've got two restaurants right now there's a lot going on but i really want to try this venture so I went to my parents again and they thought I was nuts as I had both of my restaurants really up and rolling and had my employees set up. I said to them, I said, mom, dad, you know, I can't spend all my time in the store. You know, I want to go out there and be making more money, leave the employees in place and bring in different streams of revenue just to always be safe and to build my wealth and all that stuff. And they again, my parents thought I was crazy, but they believed in me as they always have. And essentially they invested in my first project along with having a lender a hard money lender that was excellent who's basically designed for fix and flip properties where you don't live in them but you just fix them up quickly and then you sell them that's what a hard money loan is and that's really how i started in stoughton was my first project and i remember it was a full gut renovation i'd never had any construction experience and it was insane doing a full gut renovation with like a new bathroom and like all these different details in the house and I had never done it before. I remember I was on site pretty much every single day because I was freaking out about what would go wrong and all these different things but I was learning as I was going you know and prior to purchasing my first flip what I did was I would network like network 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 like no tomorrow to learn about the ins and outs of the industry meet the people who were movers and shakers what they were doing what their success stories were what did they do well what didn't they do well and I had hired a mentor at that time that taught me all about the business and really the mechanics of it and then that's when I got into 
my first flip. So my advice to anyone watching in terms of stepping into a new industry is go out there and network with the most successful people in that field and do as much research as you possibly can. But this mentor helped me and essentially I bought this first property and then it was kind of, you know, from there, I just fell in love with real estate development. I loved creating. I loved going into something ugly and making it beautiful and then watching, you know, individuals interact with it in the future. It was just remarkable for me and I knew that that was my passion at that point. And essentially after that, I mean, I got my real estate license because I was saying to myself, I really need to understand my numbers because when I buy a property, I gotta know what to buy it for. So, because essentially it's three things, what you buy it for, what you put into it, and what you're gonna sell it for. And you need to know the numbers on all three. So for me, I got my real estate license and pretty much thought nothing of it. Maybe I'll just sell a couple of my properties and that was it. And whatever, nonchalant. From there, a lot of people started asking me, hey Pam, can you help me with this? You know, with, with my house, can you help me sell my house? Can you help me buy a house? And all that kind of thing. And it started in the residential space. From there, I got headhunted by a commercial real estate firm. Went on board with them um, because they sort of gave me the allowance to have the entrepreneurial mind and still continue everything that I was doing because I was clear with them. I said, listen, I'm, I'm not the type of person you're gonna see in in an office setting, sitting in one place and kind of staying complacent. It's just not what I do. I have two restaurants and I got, you know, my development projects going. I don't really have time for, you know, to be sitting in an office or like work for anyone else. It's just not going to work for me. And they said, no, listen, we embrace everything you're doing. We think that, you know, you have strong connections in the commercial real estate world and you do ex extraordinarily well because you're just an entrepreneur by trade as they are. So I said, okay, fine. I'm totally down to try it. So I did and really found massive success in that and really just started building relationships. It was back to what my dad said, have a big heart, Pam, you know, from day one, he said, you gotta have a big heart and put relationships over money. And that's exactly what I did in my brokerage world as an agent. And it has transformed in such a way that I, in, in ways that I could not ever believe. I mean, I eventually, so I got my, after I had my real estate license, I had to hang my hat with a broker for a few years. And then from there, I got my own broker's license, which enabled me to open up my own commercial and residential real estate firm. And essentially, since that point, last year, I closed the biggest deal of my entire career, which was $37.5 million for property in Cambridge that encompassed three different buildings, two of them were residential and one was commercial. And that was groundbreaking for many different reasons, you know, for me, because the whole real estate license really started off with something that was tandem to my development, right? I was just gonna sell a few of my own projects and that was really it and kind of just keep it simple. But it grew into this thing where I began adding value for clients in such a way that it expanded all the way to the biggest clients I could ever possibly have and some of the biggest opportunities that I would have never dreamed and imagined, but they all came from relationships. It all came from the base. And relationships were everything that I knew from the restaurant world. That was really my whole base on everything. And watching everything transform in real estate from my first flip to now having my broker's license to have my own brokerage, everything's really transformed. So I went from my first flip and then started doing more of these deals as a real estate agent got my broker's license, and from there, I essentially continued scaling my real estate developments, 
mostly working on one to four family homes in West Roxbury, Rosendale, Hyde Park. But I've also done like Melrose, Stoughton, Medway, different areas like that. But it started with one and it just started to trickle in terms of different opportunities that came my way in the real estate development world. And then on the brokerage side as an agent, it went from starting off small and residential to going to these massive commercial real estate deals that I would have never envisioned would be possible for me. And then after I sort of got those both down, I got my broker's license, I actually decided to go for my general contractor's license, the construction supervisor license, which essentially would enable me to be my own general contractor on my projects, which is essentially what I was doing anyway, but I ended up getting it last year and I became the youngest female in Massachusetts state history, at least at that time. I think there was another girl, um, Monique, who actually beat me to it. Recently, I heard she got her unrestricted construction supervisor lesson, so I believe now she is the youngest um, in history. But it was really remarkable to get that because now that I had all my licenses in place, I could start my own firm under one umbrella, which is the Moshe Group. So. Now the Moshe Group has three different pieces to it. The development, which I've had for the last six, seven years. The construction side now, since I hold my general contractor's license. And then also the brokerage side, which is primarily focused on commercial real estate, but also residential as well. So that's sort of where everything is at this point in time for me is the Moshe Group is really the foundation of everything that I do. and will always be that. And uh, you know, you'll know, you see in future episodes that my parents are also coming on board. And really another piece and a pivotal moment for me in business was just recently I leased my store, Ria Cafe. So the baby in which I started is now, the torch has been passed off to another individual. Her name is Vicky, who's opening up her own shop in the same location. It's called Delini Gelato. And um, I knew, you know, it's, it was looming for a couple of years that, Pam, you know, your focus really should be real estate and like the bigger picture. You don't have time for the store and things like that. But I was like hanging on because I was like, no, 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 that's my baby. I don't want to let go. You know, no entrepreneur ever wants to let go of their first business. But it came a point where time was critical. And for me, it was everything. I needed to focus more than anything and to open up new opportunities because not only, you know, now that I had my, all three of my companies all, all under one belt, under the Moshe group, I was saying to myself, well, this is great. You know, I've, business is great, all is well. What do I do on a higher scale? What's going to magnify everything that I'm doing? What's really my mission between doing everything that I'm doing? And it really came down to empowerment. That was my super big thing. And I'm going to trace back to, you know, before all this and what was going on in my life personally is I met the love of my life in college and we were best friends. I'd always see him when I was DJing. That's probably one thing you didn't know about me is that I was a DJ in college at Stonehill and had a great time. I remained really good friends with him. And, you know, everything sort of happened after the horrible relationship I was in previous. And, you know, I we were best friends for some time. And then after college, we just got together. And then that's when we actually started dating. So I want to give major credit to him because he's been throughout this whole time, you know, from when I started both restaurants up until today, he has been my number one support system and 
you know, always empowered me, never thought I was crazy, would always listen. I don't know how he does it, but I say this to you because it's incredibly important to who's standing by your side, you know, in the future for yourself. It's critical because you should always remember that your partner, your life partner, should always make your light shine brighter. And if they don't, that's not the person for you. And I think, you know, I contribute a lot of this. I mean, of course, it's my hustle. Of course, it's, you know, all these things, my parents and working hard. But I, I would mention that having my partner by my side, Giovanni, he really has inspired me in, in many ways and supported me in such a way that I don't think he realizes the magnitude of it um, and how much it's meant to me, you know, going through all these shifts and changes all the time, you know, business, the restaurant business to real estate, to this and that and like, things moving that way and still moving at a crazy speed, I, I would say that that was the biggest upside and we're actually getting married in six months, which is super exciting, but it really does matter who you choose by your side. And I think that, you know, a lot of um, my success has been inspired by him and just him always just affirming like, yeah, do it, keep going. Yeah, like I, I don't know where he gets all this confidence in me, but I, I love it and appreciate it so, so much. and. So he has really helped me to get to this point uh, of the constant support and finding my identity through the businesses and all these things and basically figuring out that empowerment is really my bigger goal, which is how I got to putting this show together. For me, it was, you know, before I even thought about this show, actually this show I've thought about for quite a while, but I also had a business idea like about a year and a half, two years ago, when I was in real estate, it was still in real estate, but like I was, I had thought about what is a product or something I can create that puts me in product form to help inspire others. And that's when I reached out to a couple of people in my network and got together with them. Her name was Aubrey. Her mom works at, at the YMCA um, where I would always work out. In simple conversation, I had told her, you know, I wanted to launch like a like a blazer company because I thought it would be really cool, you know, to empower women and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And she said, you know, my daughter owns a fashion company and I think you should really talk to her. She lives in New York, but you really should chat about it with her. And I said to her, yeah, sure. Like, that's cool. I'll do that. Uh, so I went out, met with Aubrey, met with her designer, Juliana, and we really came together and put these blazers together and we're still working on them to date. So that's actually going to launch in 2021. But my idea was to launch a product in product form, essentially, that is about empowerment. And to me, it was always, a blazer was always that power outfit for me. It's like anytime I had a major interview, a major meeting, a major anything, I was rocking a blazer and it always made me that much more confident to just kill it and crush it and slay it and all the above things. And so I wanted to give that confidence and that power to my customers when that does launch. So that was you know, that was that. So that whole empowerment idea started about two years ago. And now in the show was kind of in the background, but I, you know, I had so much going on. I didn't really think about it. And what really made it loud and clear for me was earlier this year where I actually almost moved to LA or take, took on an opportunity in Los Angeles and as for a consulting opportunity. And essentially what I had heard and felt my instincts and gut tell me was that Pam, oh, you don't, belong anywhere else like this is where you're supposed to be with your family with your businesses continuing to grow what you started 
like stay here, but you know, your big mission is to empower. And so to myself, I was thinking, okay, well, I have the Blazers launching, so that's great. We have real estate as the base and the foundation. That's great. But what do I do on a higher scale where I can really engage and interact with individuals and inspire them even further? And, you know, I taught entrepreneurship with the YMCA Young Achievers program. I absolutely loved teaching teenagers about business and the opportunities that are out there and everything. And it was so fulfilling to me. And anytime that I go out there and speak to really any group or any person or anything and hearing them take my advice or me mention something that helped them elevate in any small way was always the most fulfilling thing. And I was saying to myself, how do I encompass what I love in interacting with individuals, but still find a way to connect with them and inspire others to do, just keep inspiring. That was my biggest thing and empowering, you know, how can we do that? And I had this idea of this show and actually one of the individuals that I'll be interviewing is Jonas Kane, And we had a conversation and it was storytelling, you know, and I heard his powerful story about how he lost someone very special to him. And it really helped Like, I just felt the power in his story and his strength in, in telling me that. And, you know, what I realized was, you know, there's so many individuals out there that go through so much pain and they have so many stories to tell. And there's so many cross parallels within that. And my whole thought process was, well, you know, how can I inspire others to be inspired through storytelling? You know, maybe I just provide a platform where, where I interview individuals to come in and really share their story and their struggles because we live in a world that's disillusioned through social media. Everybody posts the successes. Everybody posts all the beautiful things that are happening in their lives. It's picture perfect, right? But nobody talks about the realities and the struggles. You know, as an entrepreneur, you know, nobody remembers how I was, you know, working for my parents from the time I was 10 till I was 21, like doing deliveries, doing all kinds of stuff. But they remember now, you know, where I sit now doing biggest deal of my career, $37.5 million. There's a whole struggle and there's a whole process to that that nobody knows about. So for me, it was like, how do I provide this platform to take it to the next level to help people understand the story and help them understand that they're not alone. And that is where the whole idea and the ideology for underdog came about, you know, as an underdog, I've, I've been an underdog my entire life. My parents too, they came here with nothing. And I came here, you know, with them, you know, we sort of all grew up together and I saw them from the ground up and I know what it's like. And the same thing happened for me in my career, everything was built from the ground up and it's been incredible. And I still have a long way to go, no matter what I've done to date. To me, I think that only scratching the surface, to be completely honest, I think there's a whole array of things coming. And my biggest drive is to inspire others and empower others the way that I've been empowered through my mentors and different stories that I've heard throughout the years, different individuals that I've met that have helped me along my journey. And my hope is that this show will empower you. And hopefully, you know, hearing my story today, you will sort of understand where it all comes from, where my soul comes from in doing this. And I hope that you will find inspiration throughout any point in your life. Whether you can't relate personally, maybe you know someone who can. But my hope is that you watch this show and you feel inspired and you pass it along to someone else who will feel inspired and keep that whole world going. Some piece of advice that I would give is that I have this formula. It's called 
facts. So it's fearlessness, adaptability, compassion, trusting your gut, and self-confidence. Whenever anyone asks me for advice and, you know, how did Pam, how did you get to where you are today? It was those pieces. I was always fearless, you know, in my mind. Remember this, regret is far worse than fear. Fear is something you create in the confines of your own mind. It's something that only happens up here. That's it. Do not become your own obstacle. What's the worst that can happen, right? So would you rather, you know, be uncomfortable for a second, test new waters and succeed or maybe not succeed, but it'll pivot you in a different route. Or look back 10 years from now and say, oh, I coulda, woulda, shoulda. To me, that regret is far scarier than anything else. The adaptability, you have to be perceptive to change. You will not succeed if you are not comfortable and open to change. There's no way. Compassion, I think it's one of the elements that's pretty much forgotten in, the, in business now, or it's not as talked about, but don't forget, you know, especially in the real estate industry, you're dealing with people and relationships. Sometimes they're not going through the best of situations, clients that you're working with. And, you know, you've got to be compassionate and you just never know. You know, someone could be having a horrible, horrible day. You don't know what's going on and what other people are facing. So you always need to remember to be kind and be compassionate. Another thing is trusting your gut. You know, when something inside you does not feel right, you know it. But yet when something feels awesome, you feel that fire within you, always, always, always trust that. And then in terms of self-confidence, that's my number one rule in business, I would say. I would say, well, actually it would probably be number two, but it's equally as important. Relationships would be first, and second would be self-confidence. You have got to believe in yourself. If you don't believe in yourself, who is going to believe in you? Or your business, right? Like. If I walked around, you know, to clients was like, oh, maybe I'll sell your property. Would they ever hire you? Absolutely not. You know, you've got to go around and you've got to be confident in yourself that you can get it done. I mean, to me in business, even when I was just starting out, I never had the mentality of, oh, you know, what if it goes wrong? What if this development project doesn't get done on time? What about this? And what about that? There was so many what ifs that I could have had in my mind, but I was like, no, I'm just gonna get through it. Like, it'll be fine. You know, if someone else has done it before me, I can do it too. It just takes a little bit of hustle when you don't know what you're doing and you're starting from ground up. But I always told myself I will get it done. It's like having that positive mentality, even though you'll always have a devil on your shoulders, don't get me wrong, but it's, something that you've got to just stay consistent with yourself and believe in yourself because you are capable of manifesting anything that you want in your life. And that's an absolute fact. And my whole story should speak to that. And hopefully it inspires you. And that, honestly, that's the only reason that I tell it is so that you can walk away and say, Hey, you know, if Pam has done it, I can do it too. And that's my whole reason for creating this show. So I thank you all so, so much for watching today and hopefully this has inspired you and I can't wait to see what you have to say and different recommendations and hopefully get to meet a bunch of you or if not all of you but thank you so much for tuning into today's episode of underdog the first episode ever to launch and I will give a special shout out to Vip Saloti who is our furniture sponsor and also the Moshe group which are my real estate company so thank you so much and until next time the only so that's it for today's episode of Underdog. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week that posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in the grand prize drawing to win a private VIP day with Pamela herself in Boston, Massachusetts. 
Be sure to go to theunderdogshow.com and pick up a copy of Pamela's free gift. And join us on the next episode.